You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. This week's episode is split into two sides. This is Side A. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the return of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm not going to lie, a little quicker than I had anticipated, but life happens and I needed to put the suit on. We had to put the hat on. So, um... I'm Armand Wake Up. You can follow me on all social media at Armand Wake Up, A-R-M-O-N-D, Wake Up, all one word. But more important than that, please, please, please follow the official Clock Radio Speakers Twitter handle, which is at CRS Podcast. Um, well, yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. This is what happens when you're on maternity leave. You forget your passwords. So Doc is here. Doc, what's up, man? Oh, man, what's going on? Uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter or Instagram if you want, at Doc underscore Beats, S not a Z. But uh, like Armand said, just follow the show. Um, we did a, I did a couple solo episodes, did, uh, had Marissa guest at, to do some Q and a while, while our mom was gone, but good, good to have you back, man. I'm glad everything's good. Yeah. No doubt. Glad to, glad to be back. Yeah. Not under the circumstances again, right. but you know, good to be back. Right. All right. So, so why are we back, man? What, why did we, uh, why did we come back early? Man, a rapper who defined my teenage years, uh, passed unexpectedly and uh untimely mm. um dmx uh died well he died friday yeah friday the rumor is is that he passed thursday night but they didn't announce it until friday but he initially had the heart attack was it sunday he was in and friday out of the before? hospital yeah for a little while for, yeah he was yeah. in the hospital for a little while and there was a lot of rumors because you know social media Social media, but yeah, right, because we haven't had an autopsy. That's correct. So the rumors of what it was, but he was in the hospital, brain dead. Um, you know, news reports say they ran some some tests on Wednesday for brain activity. Uh, there was minimal brain activity. And, you know, the family decided to do what they felt was best. Man, DMX, 50 years old. Uh, yeah, only 50. Old. Only 50. That is only not 50. old. Right. So if he's 50 now, that means when he had his, when he sort of jumped into the public eye, he was 27, 28. That's crazy, man. He was a little, he was a little older because you're seeing the youths do their, do their Googles. Yeah. And, and, you know, old Tupac disses are coming back up and old (laughs) music videos from the early 90s are coming back up. Like when we say DMX blew up overnight, it isn't this thing where like, you know, the youths are like, yeah, I just started rapping in January. I wrote my first song and I got a deal. Like, no, X was like notorious um, in the underground scene in the early 90s throughout New York for a long time. He was in unsigned hype in the early 90s. Yeah. He was signed to Columbia Records, put out Born Loser. That's right. Which didn't do anything because it wasn't, you know, wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. There's a there's pictures. There's a picture that came out this week of. DNY from Rough Riders meeting with Suge Knight in I think '95 <laughs> in an attempt to sign to get Suge to sign DMX to Death Row, which was very interesting. So he's been he was he was grinding for a while prior to '97 when things started to project up. It's interesting you mentioned that because like when I was listening to Darkest Hell and Hell Is Hot again, not that I need to listen to it again, but you know, want to make sure, sure. want to make sure I'm ready. Oh it, man, it's it, all I've been listening to this it, week. It hit me that some of the, because like you know, the we talk about like how the sound of New York hip hop changed with you know quote unquote keyboard beats, but there was like a whole lot of different kinds of keyboard beats, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And what, um, oh man, I can't think of his name. Uh, Dame Grease Dame was Grease. doing, yeah. Like a lot of his kind of keyboardish beats were almost kind of like an East Coast version of the sound on Machiavelli a little bit, you know. If you want, it's like. A, like a lot of minor key, like so, like some of that okay. stuff is somber, like different drums and a different bounce, but like it's not that far removed. It, it was a I, I I could see that comparison because some of those records on is dark and hell is how to dark, yeah, similar to Machiavelli, and we've been talking about that on yeah. on recent episodes. Yeah, it, it's it's really weird because you're right. So take a record like um like ATF, yeah, you know um just the stabs and the you know, the, the bell and chimes and stuff. It's yeah. a little up-tempo, but it's like, those are still keyboard sounds. Or like Damien, we th- right? Very much like Damien, right. Dun, dun, right, right, right. Versus 
when we think of keyboard beats, when we talk about keyboard beats, we think of one Biz Sweets. And we, we are, I mean, you can't talk about X without talking about Swiss. So we will be getting a lot of Swiss beat jokes off today. I was thinking to myself, like, you know, it's too bad that like Casio doesn't sell like for, for kids, like my first Swiss beats keyboard, you know, like get it for you. Like you press one button. It's like the down bottom horns. You press another button. <laughs> like just give that to your kid. Just watch your kid there and be like, oh, you know, I felt like did, did Swiss ever do anything with Casio? It's a good question. Because if not, that is a bag that was s- extremely fumbled. No, because he there was there was a rumor for a long time that he was uh, that he <laughs> he was sued by by Casio, but he but he wasn't. But he, okay. that, but people thought that because you know people are like, oh, this sounds so simple, blah blah blah. But yeah, <laughs> no, those are just stock sounds. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's like ahead of that. He absolutely if if selling packs were a thing. Oh. Like selling sound packs were a thing in the in the late nineties. Oh, Swiss would have made a killing. <laughs> Can you imagine like sampling Swiss beats? How you know cats are making samples now? Your soul surplus, your Frank Dukes, like. <laughs> Swiss I is, mean, <laughs> like down bottom is a whole sample. It's a whole song, and they just took a chop out. Twisted Heat is a whole song. They just took three seconds out. You're gonna make me sample that, aren't you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, please don't, Doc. Please don't. Please don't let it let it sit where let it, it is. Sit. That's another thing. We're definitely going to actually no. We're not going to talk about Ja Rule. Not Ja Rule. I'm sorry. No, we're absolutely talking about Ja Rule. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Drag On today. No, I know. You know, it, it's funny because when you go back and listen, like yeah, you think DMX and Rough Riders, but like whenever it came time for like DMX, like for the rest of the Rough Riders crew, DMX was really not as involved as you'd think. Like the Rough Riders volumes were honestly more like Eve Drag On and. and and, and locks vehicles then like there'd absolutely. be like the one dmx record maybe but like absolutely he was always somewhat kind of distant from it in a weird way you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um and he would and he would there'd be the posse cut sure you know and the posse cut he's got the last verse or he's got the first verse right, right. so either he's out the, he's out the way like let me just do yeah, what yeah. i gotta do real quick and leave or Everybody gets their stuff off. We're four minutes into the song. Here's my 16. We're done. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of that is because like those those volumes were, I mean, towards the end, they become, you know, whatever. But like the first two are specifically trying to get let everybody else get their bars off, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've never regretted more than now never getting that Rough Riders merch that was in the the, the Is Dark and Hell is Hot book. I saw that image float around on social media. Such a time. That was such a time. We got to add that was a time to, uh, to the bingo board. You know, it took a certain kind of white boy to, to wear Rough Riders gear. And that was just not me. <laughs> you could have just wore the. They just had the one that said DMX on it. Like that would have been fine. But like you were in the big R or the bandana. I was going to say you got to have the bandana. Nah. And then eventually you got to get it tied around the, the wrist. Too. You got to have like all the bandanas, you know, you got to have another uh, bandana tied around your uh, your jeans or your cargo <laughs> pants. Like because LL was LL would have one pants leg up and it was a sweatpants. So the rib at the bottom right. would sit on the leg when you didn't have that. And the uh, your jean opening was this big. You know, you had to fold it over and then tie the rag around it, it to keep it up. Well, we didn't have YouTube to tell us how to tie your, your how to get your one jean leg up because that would have been a video in 1997. That that would have been your sister or your girlfriend or somebody who because, you know, somebody had to put you on. Somebody had to put you on, man. Otherwise, it you're was, sitting there looking at all cool. Jay, and you're like, how did he do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. I forgot why I was bringing up. Dra- I don't know. Oh, that's why. Because. Okay, guys, remember, you know, this was, we did a Rough Riders retrospective. You can yeah. check that at clockradiospeakers.com. But my wife and I were so disappointed. We were listening to, oh, uh, Ride or Die, the intro from Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they resample headbangers. Drag on, cuts on. And my wife makes a really interesting clock radio speaker statement. Mm. She was like, man, Drag On was supposed to be the guy. Mm-hmm. I love Drag On. And I was so mad when his album came out. And I was like, who, <laughs> who are you? Are you Doc? <laughs> but, oh, because. They tried. Dra- Dragon had, he had such a good, he had a good rap voice. He could actually rap. Yeah. He was interesting. He was engaging. But they just stuck him with the, the, the C-team producers 
and they dropped yeah. a, a, a heat check clunker like all oh, with the Rough Riders. We can just put out whatever. And Swiss only does what one one record on that album. Yeah, spit these bars. He does spit. He does the first single. That's it. No street single. No no nothing. Everything else is. Here's the actual. So going back and listening, I realized you know there's a couple exceptions, right? Obviously, we'll talk about some of these records today because we're gonna do a definitive. We haven't even said it. We're doing the definitive definitive fifteen for DMX. Because it's, t- it's, it's more than time, and it's a good it's way time. to talk about his career and his legacy. Absolutely. But when you go, like, Loki, Swiss kind of gave more of his heat to non-Rough Rider rappers. I mean, he really did. Like, <laughs> you know, there's some records that definitely, like, he, you know, it, let's just say it's, it's more than 50-50. Like, you would sort of expect he might hold some back or whatever, but no. Mm-hmm. Actually, you look at 98, you know, that's the fascinating thing about DMX in 98. It's like you think Swiss Beats, you think DMX, but like with the exception of, of, uh, of Rough Riders Anthem, like most of Swiss in 98 is like the rest of New York hip hop, you know, yeah. um, it's Cam, it's, uh, it's all Jay. these, it's, Dre, it's Jay, you know, it's all these other records that he does, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the J, and we talked about this again on, on the, the retro, it's like, the one song you got, you got PK killing, you got Dame Grease who do 98% of DMX's first album, which in turn crafts the Rough Rider sound. Right. Swiss gives him one record and that becomes like, okay, this is, this is the direction we're going in. Yeah. And it was weird because as, as I'm thinking about it, and I wish I would have done a, a deeper dive, but like, you know, you would see a record and they would start saying featuring Swiss beats. So you, you would like want to tune into that. And like, in a lot of those cases, even Swiss beats drag on Swiss. Be- I mean, whatever, but like the locks really didn't do anything with Swiss in the beginning. No, but not like, until later. Well, off of the, rec- off of the love is Swiss, right? Yeah. But that's bad boy locks. Yeah. I so know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like rough riders era of locks, but like those Swiss records with, with the rough riders, you're right. They're not that, they're not that good where he's given other, he's given Jay money, cash hoes. He's given, you know, what did he do with Cameron? Um, are you just talking about the sound of, no, he did uh hold on. Did he do glory? Hold on. I thought that was, was that? That's Swiss. Glory is definitely Swiss. Okay. That's Swiss. Yeah. He also did Shanghai, which the, the, the less said about that song, the better, but glory is, you know, did, that's, did you, that's like the personification of 98 New York city. Did you? Oh, uh, he also did. Of course, he did. Ban from TV. Yeah, yeah. Forgot yeah. about that. Ban from TV. Down bottom. Um, Myth Bleak is a clock radio speaker staple. Um, we should do a playlist of like clock radio speakers essentials <laughs> of just songs that we make fun of. You know, it's gonna be a lot of <laughs> It is. It is. Um, did you watch the? Uh, I meant to send this to you. Did you watch the Cameron Drink Champs? No, I've seen a lot of clips from it that have flown around. It's really good. Is it? Yeah. It's three hours. It's a lot, but man. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it. The last hour is a little bit of a stretch because mm. then they start talking about like you know why him and Jim fell out and you know Nori's such a bad interviewer. But when he gets into like his Rockefeller bag, maybe like thirty, forty-five minutes in, yeah. Even explaining and even sharing the story that PD Crack was not signed to state property, mm. and Cameron wanted to sign the diplomats. Um, so remember on Diplomats Volume 2, the original version of one for Petey Crack is just Jay and Jewels. Interesting. But I'm sorry, Cam and Jewels. But um, the story is, and this is why Jay, or this is why Cam deleted Jay's verse on Old Boy, is because uh, Jay wanted Cam's verse deleted off of one for Petey Crack. Mm. So he almost did it back like it's just being. Yeah, paid. yeah, yeah. No, whatever. Mm. All the things we missed, and it, yeah, I'm, we're also going to talk about things that we missed uh, due to Jay Z. So I'm I'm definitely ranting and and cussing him out on this show, and he's going to hear it too because he's a fan. He should be a fan. He should really yeah. like subscribe to the to the top tier of our pay, of our Patreon. So if you're listening Absolutely. to this and you aren't a member of the Clock Radio Speakers Patreon, normally what we do it is full episodes plus bonus uh, audio goes to Patreon subscribers, and then we have sort of like a, a certain like maybe call it like a 20 to 35 minute depending on whatever like a good a decent little chunk of the conversation but you're missing a lot typically now it goes out into to the regular feed that you're listening to right now probably 
So mm-hmm. if you aren't a member of the Patreon and you like the show, you want to show your support, head to patreon.com slash CRS podcast. Absolutely. This is and this is we didn't know we did also did not know that this is going to be a free episode. That's right. So this is for this is for the community, but we're going back to the streets after this. So if you haven't listened, I'm sure we'll probably get a, a nice little listener bump. Um, you know, if you haven't listened to the show in a while, that's where we are. We are we are on Patreon Boulevard, uh, on the corner. <laughs> One pants leg up. <laughs> so oh, man. Definitive 15. So before we get to the actual definitive 15, I have a question. Okay. For you. Okay. What's up? Was the, so think about like the setup for DMX for him coming out mm. in his first year and then kind of like that first year that he had. Yeah. Was it the best ever? I think the contenders are Mace, Snoop, DMX. 50. The first year, maybe, but the, the setup, the rollout for DMX is unbelievable the uh, for me the top three are yeah. uh mace i'm not sorry not mace mace is not in that conversation at all to me i'm actually really? surprised that you yeah nah i wouldn't are say you that. kidding so he so mace does so his the first time we really hear mace is the only you remix right yeah then he's on can't nobody hold me down yeah then he's on more money more problems i see what you're and saying and then he puts out his debut album that's a ridiculous run up i see what you're saying i see then he's on he's on honey and all that right, stuff. Okay, right, I, got right, you, right. I got you i got you i got you but I don't. Okay, so with all that said, that's a yeah, that's a great that's a great out, or that's a great it's a great run. It's a great it's a setup. Great but then setup. maybe his album isn't on that same tier as the rest of them for sure. Yeah, but I think the anticipation wasn't as high. Mm. The three that I, my top three are going to be DMX, Snoop, and Fifty. Mm. The reason why I say Fifty's different is because back then mixtapes were different, so nobody but you know Dipset and G Unit were. They kind of set themselves up with the mixtapes. So then adding in Eminem, Dr. Dre, biggest you know, sure. rappers and hip hop you know, personalities in the world, that's set up to where Get Rich or Die Trying is a fever pitch. Same thing with Snoop, you know, Deep Cover, The Chronic, Nothing But A G Thing, Dre Day, like even The Murder Trial, like unfortunately, yeah. um, you know, Doggy Styles at a feverish pitch. DMX. It's interesting because I want to hear, I'm sure you have the, the timeline of the, I do. the setup. I do. Because for a lot of us, the, the timeline is shiny suit, shiny suit, shiny suit, get at me, dog. And then it's dark as hell as hot. Right, right. So, but what actually happened? So the fall of 97, he's on 4321, which mm. really is kind of like Def Jam introducing him as like, here's... Here's this guy, which they did. It's it's honestly, they gave him the Foxy Brown treatment, right? Foxy Brown is on I Shot Ya, another mm-hmm. L Cool J Posse cut, mm-hmm. right? And gets that slot. DMX, two years later, gets the exact same slot. That's right. right. But then, call it fall, call it like late fall into like early spring of 98. Here's what happens, right? So you get, okay. he's on 24 Hours to Live, which becomes a video. He's on Money, Power, Respect, which isn't just a video, but that itself is the trans like the locks album really is the transition from shiny suit to rough riders because the first single is if you think I'm jiggy and it mm-hmm. bricked. And right. then they were like, they money power respect was the second single, right? Yeah. And yeah. then in February of 98, same time frame, also a, also Def Jam giving him the, the sort of look, he has the guest spot on shut him down for Onyx. That's right. So that's four grimy, like, posse cuts, basically, that he mm. is on. Yeah. Before he even... And then right on top of that is where my dog's at, stop being greedy, how's it go? Like, the whole the whole DMX run, mm. right? So, like, that lead yeah. up, the Def Jam machine was just unparalleled. So... That's that's interesting. So we, we've talked a lot of times on the show before about the sort of infamous survival of the illest um uh samplers right so can anybody find those i have them god bless you i just downloaded them as as we were waiting yeah yeah. i got one and two and then i found uh just a link where it's like some web player you can listen to number three um okay 
But I never had two because I, di- I didn't buy the second one because the second one, Onyx's whole Shut Him Down album is on the I was first gonna, one. Yeah, it's on the first. <laughs> I feel bad for Onyx, kind of. For like, real. if you bought that DMX album the first week, which 600,000 people did, you kind of didn't need the Onyx album. Didn't need it. Didn't um, need it. No, the f- and so they switched it up for number two. Number two is just two tracks, but that second track is like a long sampler. Mm-hmm. So number two, the first song is... Ja Rule rhyming over criminology. And then what? Yeah. I've and never heard that. I, I didn't until this morning either. And then the second <laughs> and then the second track is like 20 minutes long and it's full cooperation and a bunch of other records. And it's like some other snippets from the Def Squad album. Then okay. number three is almost more like a mixtape where it's like Method Man and Red Man host it. Mm-hmm. That but, was on the because that was on the Def Squad album. Right. And that that's one. Ja Rule Kill 'em All, a Slick Rick record, a J.O. Felony record, Keith Murray Incredible. A Richie Rich song, Cormega's Killers theme. I remember this. Method Man, Gridiron yeah. Rap, yeah. Meth and Red, Big Dogs, and then another, and then a, an exclusive remix of 4321. So they, they, they switched it up because they realized we can't just give away the whole album. Right. <laughs> but before that, in the fall of 97, Def Jam put out a, a limited edition sampler tapes. They were cassette tapes. There I was remember a, those. There were 11 of them. They had yes. different like comic style illustrations on the front, but they were the same mm-hmm. track listing, right? It was a DMX and Ja Rule freestyle, an EPMD record, crew. It was like a whole kind of sampler, but like I remember that. On yeah, that yeah. is 4321 as well. Like 4321 like they knew they knew what they had there with LL and Cannabis, yeah, but also like they were pushing DMX like Irv was the guy who like who, you know, he brought DMX into Def Jam. He For insisted sure. on it. Like, For he, sure. he did that whole thing. And their machine was just unparalleled. Yeah. He's, yeah. you know, go ahead. I was going to say, the only thing I, re- it's weird that that's the buildup because I, I remember it in reverse. Mm. I remember hearing Get At Me Dog and then all of those records. So that's very interesting that it was actually in reverse. Get At Me Dog starts as a, uh, as a freestyle it's right it's dmx and the locks right it and it's supposed to be the locks record right it starts as a freestyle and then they're like nah we're just gonna nah we need this yeah because it I, it was it was bubbling because i remember hearing about x um through that that freestyle um because that was one of the early clue tapes that i had i had heard and people were like yo D- this dmx dude is crazy um from that so yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the i mean his not we're going to talk all about his 98 run but like his 98 is just it's unbelievable right it's unbelievable four yep. singles from the from the first album um then he puts out belly <laughs> right never mind that he puts out another album at the end of the year which i think most people have heard about i think we've we've obviously talked about it before but basically he got a one million dollar bonus from def jam to finish an album within 30 days by the end of the year why do they want to do that? Is it just regular record company greediness? Uh, greediness? It's like a special kind of record company greediness. I've, I definitely told a story in the show before, but in case you haven't heard it, Def Jam was reneg- was about to renegotiate their contract with their with Universal, their deal with Universal. Mm-hmm. So this is before Universal like owned them outright. So the terms of the renegotiation, the contract said, when we go to renegotiate, the price will be based on gross sales for the calendar year of 1998, not profit, gross sales. That meant Mm. that Def Jam was incentivized to put out as much stuff in 1998 as humanly possible. There's a reason why the fall of 1998 was like a different Def Jam album every week, it seemed like. Everybody got there. If you were- It's Def Jam 2000. If you were a Def Jam artist in 98 and you didn't put out your album, something was terribly wrong. I mean. Yeah. How did Cormega not get an album out that year on Def Jam, considering he was signed to right. Def Jam and they were putting everything out? So Def Jam's right. like, yeah, we'll set, we'll give, we'll give DMX an extra million because record companies would gross about ten bucks per CD sold. So mm-hmm. when you, even though his album only comes out three days before Christmas, it does six hundred k that first week. That's six plus million in gross revenue. So pay a million to get six. They'll do that any day of the week. That was good money for them. Yep. Plus it bumped that purchase price even higher. And then they all cashed out and made a ton of money. But DMX is just like his 98 is, I can't think of anything like it. Yeah, man. 
he's ever, I mean, we haven't even talked about, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other records, right? Murder Graham, what you're going to do with jail felony. Like everybody got a DMX verse, you know? Yep. It was incredible. You get a verse. You get yeah, a verse. Yeah. I mean, yep. yep. Who do we need to sell? Right. Sticking with DMX. And it was, and it worked. Yeah. Well, they consistently, yeah, they did. I mean, they were really good. Def Jam in the late nineties was really good at doing the thing where like they use an established artist to introduce a new artist. And then mm-hmm. when that new artist becomes the star, they hook another established artist, right? Like mm-hmm. when DMX gets on, there's a reason why those survival of the illest t- tapes all have like a job ja rule freestyle at the start. Like, and then they hook jaw rule onto Kent, you know, they give Jay-Z, can I get a, and they like, they're like, nope, they're using their existing stars to set up jaw rule. Like they were doing yep. the machine. It worked. Yep. Absolutely. All right. That's, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good wrestling booking. That's right. That's right. That's how you do it. All right. With all that being said, are you ready to talk about the Definitive 15 DMX records? Yes, I am. Excellent. Let's get into it. So if you haven't heard this before, when we do Definitive 15s, what we try to figure out is we try to imagine, and this is actually really applicable now. Let's say you're introducing somebody to this artist, to somebody who has maybe heard a little bit, but they don't really know this artist. So you're mm-hmm. picking 15 songs. You, you know, we go, in all sorts, we, we go in all sorts of different directions. Sometimes we just literally say, these are the 15 like no-brainer classics. We've got to pick them. Sometimes it's like, yeah, for this artist, you want to represent their catalog. You know, you, you want to sort of give everybody a little taste. So there's all sorts of different angles we can take this. So Armand, did mm-hmm. you come at this with a particular angle? I did. Uh, there are three different um, attributes where you get the strongest DMX. Mm. Um, and so I broke that down with his essentials. Yep. So just this is bare bones foundational. When you think of DMX, you think of these songs. His collaboration slash guest verses, because like you just explained, hooking him to other artists, yep. he, he was responsible for launching a lot of other people. And then his introspection, his transparency, you know, those records, you know, there's a there's a there's an article going around where Irv Gotti was talking about how they did um, like SOBs in 98 after DMX's album comes out and he does the prayer. And at the end of the prayer, he's like, there's like the hardest, thuggiest of of thugs Mm. crying along with DMX as he's praying. DMX's ability to connect to a wider range of people, you know, thugs loved him, kids loved him, women loved him. Like it was, there were a lot of Tupac connections because th- that was a similarity. They both found a way to connect the multiple uh, people without compromising who they were. So, and he's got music that represents that. So, those were the three categories I went I went into. Um, how about you? I had five categories. <laughs> I five. did the same thing. I mean, okay. it's pretty close, but because I, I was kind of inspired by when Marissa was on and we did the Kanye retro and she mm-hmm. like picked the different kind of Kanye's because I think DMX had because I'm approaching this like I'm trying to. These aren't necessarily my 15 favorites. Some of them mm-hmm. are definitely here because they're favorites, but I wanted to at least make sure I captured because he had party records, right? More than mm-hmm. like radio records. They were kind of like they were they were very energetic right so he's definitely got those kind of records he had what i mean i guess this is makes me sound old what you can only describe as tunnel bangers which are different than yeah. the party records yeah they right? are also i had the guest appearances i also had introspective records and then honestly he had a whole he, he had a couple in this genre i mean again late 90s they were called this in the late 90s so i apologize because it sounds derogatory dmx had chick records Mm-hmm. very transparently designed to try to soften his image very purposefully shot very purpose even though when you listen to the lyrics you're like we're gonna talk about one of these records we and are the lyrics because it's hilarious i'm i was in the car yeah i was in the car <laughs> laughing just in shock like are you serious and women love to this day still love this song we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there, we'll get there. so i had those five because i think like i want to make sure i pick some some from all of those and like you know, and try to represent that a little bit. And then I've got some honorable mentions because, you know, it's DMX. Of course. It's, and it's clock radio speakers. That's and that's right. what we do. That's right. Okay, let's do it. Okay. You, I, you go first. This is I noticed with these yeah. 15s, I go, I go first. Uh, I go first. So I want you to go first. The one I was going to start with, I can't take because this is your record. So I'm gonna, let, me, let me take a different one here. Um, you know what? I'm going to take which it. One? I got it. I got a lot of my records. I know. I know. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. You know what? 
I'm going to start with, I, I, I'd already mentioned it because it's, it was something that helped set him up. Um, I think you've got to talk about 4-3-2-1. I think it has Absolutely. to be on the list because yep. it introduces DMX kind of in his whole aesthetic to the world. You know? Even the video looks like a DMX video. Yeah. It's not an LL Cool J video at all. No. This is, this is phenomenon. So this is a very glossy LL Cool J. Much like the locks with If You Think I'm Jiggy, Phenomenon, the song Bricks. Oh, yeah. Is 4321 the second single from that I'm album? I'm looking that up right now. Um, it is. They're like, nope, go to the streets. Right, even though <laughs> they really tried to put out Candy as a single. They did. They did. Man, that Phenomenon. Oh, God. It's that not vi- good. <laughs> Uh, LL's every we talk every, he's yeah. every other album every other album yeah you know they they tried they, they tried they, they tried wait phenomenon's only ten songs sounds about right ten or eleven the last song is father right where he samples the George Michael record <laughs> he does sample father yeah that was a single too yeah he had five he, they put out five singles and this song this album only has ten records they really tried they tried um, what's the what's the other single. Uh, they, so phenomenon four three two one father hot 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 oof and then candy oof they totally misread you know what the I mean the problem is is like they didn't really have once it's very clear that like hip hop's turning in a different direction they didn't really have a second move <laughs> for this album you know so, so it's like when it's like if a guy's if you're playing basketball against a guy and he keeps going right and you cut him off going right and he can't do anything he's like else that's all that. I got. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's all I got. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. They, and that's interesting because they they dictated, they were responsible for that turn. So how are you responsible from the turn away from shiny suits, but, it, but at the same time, your other artists, you don't set them up too? Did they underestimate what DMX was going to do for that sound and what that was going to do to the shiny suit era? Part of the problem is you got to look at who executive produced phenomenon it wasn't it wasn't the in-house a&r's at def jam irv Gotti mm. has nothing to do with this project puff produces it puff didn't ah. see, puff didn't see the turn coming either didn't see it coming hit him in the face despite the fact that you know they had records i mean they re- i mean even on like you know harlem world there are there's a deeper bench of other kind of records that you can turn to but like 24 hours to live 24 hours to live did uh, take what's yours with dmx on it Right. But, but this is such a short album. <laughs> Excuse me. And they banked so heavy on that sound. Yeah. Because it comes out October 97. Yep. Phenomenon is September 97. Like, this is, yep. you know, September 97, Honey is like the number one song in America. Sure. You know, like, they're just, yep, we're flying out Cool J right into this. It's going to be great. Maybe not. And it doesn't work How does out. Phenomenon? I mean, that, first of all, that, well. He probably still, so, he probably still went platinum. I mean, the album went double platinum. Yeah. No, 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 just platinum, just platinum, just platinum. Okay. Well, that stinks. That so for that album to only go platinum, every single song has a sample production, ex- like by either Puff, the Hitman, Trackmasters, or of course the one Eric Sermon record. Like that's a that's, that's an expensive, an expensive album. it's an expensive album for 1997. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But four, three, two, one. Mm. What makes this song so great? I mean, it's not just DMX. Like, let's be clear. It's not just DMX that makes this song great, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the reason why I think it was put out as the single is because they wanted to capitalize on the L on the L Cool J and Cannabis beef, right? But that's what start. But that's that's. But the story. What's the timeline on it? But the the story comes out. But like, they had there was a hook to it at least, you know, like they could sell that to people. So this. So then is, is cannabis, I guess, and maybe this is the phone call. So cannabis is complicit in this, you know, because of course, okay. So for those of you who don't know, we haven't talked about DMX at all. <laughs> Sorry. We're talking about LL, Puff, Def Jam. So the story is, is um, cannabis's original verse from 4321 has a reference to the, the tattoo of the microphone on LL's arm. That he had like infamously gotten around this time. Yeah. So all this is kind of on the low underground where Elo asked cannabis to change or Elo asked cannabis to change it. He changes it and then he puts out the 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 verse that it's or he writes the verse, which is in response to that. Yeah. Nobody would have ever heard about 
or her cannabis's verse, Clue gets a hold of the right. original version. And Clue's version, so that's how people know that there's a beef. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, and there's an infamous, you can check on YouTube, there's an infamous LL Cool J and Cannabis phone call. I don't know if this is after second round knockout. I don't remember. But they're discussing like, you know, LL's kind of like being OG and kind of schooling him to how to, the industry works and this is what you should do and whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but what is the, what's the timeline on that for cannabis to still, still say, yeah, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll shoot the video. That's a good question. I'm not, I mean, cause can't, I mean, honestly, cannabis needed a look too. His album was coming out, but was his, no, yeah. His album was coming out next year. You know, was, yeah, his album came out in 98, um, September, September. Why do I remember these? Yeah. September random, 98. That's right. God, why do I remember these random album release dates? I wish I could figure out a way to make money or for that to be useful somehow yeah i mean i would say like it's i think dmx is noteworthy on this because like it's he was just like instant energy and just a whole different kind of feel for new york hip-hop like Mm -hmm. there was a real like almost like i mean eventually it almost becomes like okay there does become a point where you're like all right dmx has a kind has a certain type of guest appearance that he sometimes will pull out but for, for sure. four, three, two, one, you were like, "Whoa, hold, hold on." Yeah, it was new. It was totally, totally new, and it was a griminess yeah. and it was a grittiness that just people, people were like, well, "I'm sorry, what is this?" You yeah. know, his whole aesthetic yeah. was just different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so it's it's jarring because of what was going on in hip hop at the time. It, it, it sounds like it in retrospect, but for LL to put all of his, uh, his eggs in the shiny suit Puff Daddy basket, that's, that's considered a safe bet. Well, especially when you, if, you re, if you read the story about how 4321 comes together, originally it's a Trackmaster's uh, beat with a loop. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. And okay. so Eric Sermon takes it and is like, no, this is ter- we're, not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And it's just LL. <laughs> It's Eric Sermon who puts red and meth and DMX on it. Like he's the one who like actually puts most of this together. And okay. I didn't really put this together, but it makes a lot of sense. It four three two one is a repurposed put your hands where my eyes can see. And he specifically says that. It's samples, put your hands where my eyes can see. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's all he basically he said this. He said <laughs> all I did was change the baseline. But the shaker, the hi-hat, the kick, the snare, it's all put your hands. Wow. Wow. Because it's, it's a very, it's, I mean, it's a posse cut. Yeah. And, and then the video comes out, and then the video comes out again, and Master P is on it. Because they, they were like, we can, get the, we can get a little bit of play down south, maybe. We can get the, as I said on Twitter, like it's a testament to, because Master P was doing records with, I mean, guy, he's got records with Jay-Z, Nas. Like, he's got records with heavy hitter. Yeah. East Coast dudes. Um, so it wasn't, it didn't stick out like a sore thumb like you would think. I mean, maybe from like a lyrical, lyrical schmirical standpoint. Um, but that's what people were doing in 98. It's crazy. Shout out to the Terrell Owens jersey he wears in that video. So the, the, the timeline with 4321, just to close this, because if we spend this long in each song, this is going to be a 10-hour podcast. Um, it is. Uh, so LL, when he hears Cannabis's verse, which is, which infamously starts with, um, oh God, where is it? Hold up. Um, starts with, uh, method where the God's at red man, where the squad at L is that a mic in your arm? Like you borrow, borrow that. Yep. And, um, LL That's cool a good J, line. it is LL cool J who apparently takes offense to everything. <laughs> that is not offensive. Let me borrow the mic on your arm because I'm a rapper and I need a microphone. Right, right. He took that's it. crazy. So he tells L, he tells Cannabis, you got to change the opening to the to the song if you want to stay on it, and he does. Mm. But then he he still rework he still changes his verse to open with when young size fantasize of borrowing flows, like Cannabis really just looked up to people. You know, like he was trying to sign to Def Squad. He was trying, like he was just trying before he was before he was with um before he was with uh, uh, Wyclef. He was just trying yeah. to get on. You know, like 
he's he's just a young kid that can rhyme real good he's and he's a, happy to be around people that he right. looks up to right that's crazy right <sighs> i know there's an alternate world where he signs with def jam and the def jam machine does something with him in the late 90s and that's just a different world you know cannabis come cannabis is a completely different story if that happens yeah. if he signs with anybody but wyclef it's a better story <laughs> All right. Oh, Before we get man. too all deep right. down the Wyclef train, all right, that's four, three, two, one. Definitely four, on my three, list. Okay. See, now I want to know which song you thought was my song because I've got like four DMX songs that are my song. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's just go with the easy one. Okay. Um. Dang, there's a lot of easy ones though. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's just let's just do it. Get at me, dog. Is 100% on the list. On the list. Performing, recording that video at the tunnel. Um, the look of it, it's black and white, it's gritty, it's this greasy, sweaty black man uh, in, a, in a jam-packed small club. He's not wearing diamonds, he's not wearing a shiny suit, he's not dancing, he's not doing any of that. That's all you needed to uh, revolt against the system. Um, that beat is super hard, Yeah. and X is just, it was just different. It was different. It was different. Um, changed a lot of people's lives, mine included. Mm. Um, so ha- it has to be on the list. I don't, I don't have any. I'm sure you've got stories and all that stuff, but I mean, I think it's actually kind of incredible that that's the first single. Just that was a, that's a that's a gamble. It's a that's a gamble. It, it's a gamble. That's a gamble. Um, and it gets to to 39 on the Hot 100, which doesn't mm. make any sense whatsoever. That's not a record for the Hot 100. At all, especially in early 98, you know, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like the, the deaths of, of Pac and Big kind of helped out because sure. people were in such confusion. Like, what do we do next? And people were open to just about anything. Um, and it also helped that the shiny suit era was just all time high and people were probably a little tired of it <laughs> or beginning to be tired of it. Yeah. I mean. Get at me, dog. It's just like the video, the look, everything was really just, it was a statement, you know? Like, we're doing something completely different here. Completely different. Yep. Um, yep. And, you know, I don't think that was ever really intended to be the first single, right? It was recorded after, you know, it was recorded like late 97, kind of close to the, because the album was, was, was wrapping up by then. Um, if you've got records like Rough Riders Anthem, You've got records like How's It Going Down in the Bag, you know. Actually, I take that back. Rough Riders Anthem was like one of the last things recorded. But yeah, that was got, like the last record. Yeah. You know, How's It Going Down? Like that was always going to be a single, you know, like. But yeah, they start with Get At Me, Dog. And it's kind of the legend of DMX right there. Yeah. I'm Like, I'm yeah. going to say, I'll be honest. It's not my favorite single from the album, but it's an iconic DMX record. Okay. I, I know where you're going. There are other singles. Yeah. Like yeah. You could go two. you could go two directions. Yeah. It's. You go two directions because there are two other singles on the album that are really, really good. Yeah, for so, sure. I'm with you. For sure. I'm with you. Okay. I'm going to talk about one of them right now. What is it? Stop being greedy. It has to be on the list. And I wasn't going to, people asked me if I was going to repurpose Don't Panic mm. as a tribute to DMX and I'm not going to do so. Um, no. He's not even in, in the ground yet and people are making tributes and vlogs and all types of trying to get content out. No. But Stop Being Greedy is, a, is freaking amazing. Amazing. Um, you know, he, he uses the kind of like, I mean, Biggie does it on Warning. Other rappers have done it before as well. But he, 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 uh, he's got a couple songs where he does the kind of like two different vocal inflections to mm-hmm. try to tell a story. I mean, DMX is a storyteller is a little underrated. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, you know, Stop Being Greedy is, it's PK and Dame Grease, but it, it does not sound like if I told you that was PK, you'd be like, really? Yeah, no, nah, it doesn't. Doesn't sound like it. It's it's the beat is just ridiculous. The energy yeah. is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's like touch it a little bit. Mm. The Buster record, just in terms of the, the beat, every is that four bars or eight bars? Four. Four. Every four bars, the intensity goes back up. Right. And comes back at de- right. back down. And he, and he takes advantage of that by switching his vocal inflection Correct. and using that as a natural way to kind of tell that story, you know, Correct. as a natural way to switch it up. Um, 
I, 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 I fell in love. And then I used to just watch this video all the time. Like this video is like imprinted in my brain. Um, and they didn't play it as much. I feel like they played it a decent amount. No, nowhere near as much as they played. How's it going down and uh, get at me dog. Well, they kind of overlapped. Like they didn't really let his singles run, you know, like, cause if you think about it, considering how many copy, cause this album sells like what? Three, five X. Yeah. I think it's uh I thought it was four, but it could be more than that. Um four. Yeah, you're right. Four. Okay. Um two fifty the first week, but it you know goes crazy from there. He For is sure. the sound, he is nineteen ninety eight hip hop, right? And yep. um like Get At Me Dog is February, Stop Being Greedy, March, Rough Riders Anthem, May, How's It Going Down, June. Like they didn't they they gave, you know, they 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 pushed this like they thought it was like they were if you look at how quickly these singles are staggered, you would think Oh, they were searching for a successful single, but that's not true at all. No. Rough Riders Anthem, that thing played until the end of 98 into 99, basically. Yeah. You know, how's it going down? That was all summer. Yeah. You know? Um, that was a summer record. You're right. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, vid- the video reeks it's of a, defi- a summer It's song. a definitive summer. You know what? Definitive 15 summer records. That's an interesting idea. Um, that's on the list. Um, yep. But uh, Stop Being Greedy is, uh, no, nah, it's an absolute classic DMX great performance the beat is great it's just like it's a level of like uh, some people like people like dmx for very different reasons and this is why i'm glad we're picking these different kind of records right there are definitely mm-hmm. some fans of dmx who are like they want the introspective records right some people are like oh i know him from the party records for me it's like the hard record. like he he just has ridiculously hard records yeah and yeah. S- stop being greedy is near the top of that list for me for sure yeah if you ever want to go to the gym Oh my goodness! It's on my yeah. oh, it's on my gym playlist. Remember yeah. the gym? <laughs> no, I definitely remember the gym because the gyms are open here. Oh, they're open, open here too. But oh man, I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you in the pre-show. But I got my first shot last week. I saw that. I saw that. So then, yep. Less than two weeks from now, I get my second shot, and I got Pfizer. So then it's just one week after that, and I'm good to go. Whatever. So like, they'll probably make me wear a mask, but I'm going back to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Where's, how's your how's your arm feel? I heard I heard the shots are like they make your arm feel dead. Yeah, my my I got on my left arm the first twenty four hours. I was just like, what is going on with my arm? Like it was wow. incredibly painful. But then it, I mean it was fine. Like basically I took a lot of I took some ibuprofen and you know the, the trick is you gotta like you think it wouldn't be the case, but like you gotta move it around, like yeah, uh, yeah. like but like massage it even a little bit, like get blood flowing. You know, yeah, if you let yeah, it, yeah. if you let it sit there, so like what hurt, so I was doing that during the day and that was fine. What hurt for me is like, I woke up like sleeping. So I woke up like at 3am and my arm was just stiff and hurt. And yeah. I was just like, no, nah, wow, this is not it. But it was, you know, listen, if they told me I was going to have a dead arm for a week and I could, and if that's what it took to get vaccinated, I'd be like, fine, I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. You tell me whatever it is. And that was, and that lasted what, like a day? Like a day. Tops. Okay. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's totally fine. Now I hear the second shot is even worse. So I'm kind of like planning on because I get my shot. It'll be the 22nd, which is a Thursday. I'm Mm. kind of assuming that Friday might be a wash for me. (laughs) Yeah, I've had different people uh, respond differently. I mean, much like COVID where like symptoms are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People's bodies have responded differently to the to the vaccine, too. I've seen some people be totally fine. Yeah. And I've seen some people get completely like you said, like you probably should prepare for the wipeout. Mm. You know, worst worst or best case scenario, you got a day off. Right. You know, you, oh, no. But worst <laughs> case scenario. Yeah. You're you're your covers over your head and you're eating chicken noodle soup with a soda on the side. <laughs> I mean, that's why the Johnson and Johnson shot is so important for people who can't really take a lot of days off. You know, you get the one shot and then you don't have to get the second one. Right. Some people, you know, you got some jobs you can't really take. I'm sitting here talking like, yeah, I'll just take a day off. Some people are like, take a day. Yeah, can't. Right. Can't. But those those are heroes. Remember. Never forget. Those are heroes. We need to at some point we're clear this. We might need to have a conversation about. It's like, it's like, all right, so let me get my, what's my, I need my heroes. I need my hero uh, list uh, updated. So every first responder. Okay. Now yeah. it's nurses, it's teacher grocery store. It's like, okay, who's not a hero. Let's start there. <laughs> but also if they're heroes, why don't you just pay them better? You can start there. 
most hero when I think of heroes as a kid, I think of Batman, Superman. Sure. Those are people who wanted to do it, you know, or grew into, you know, some people, ah, I don't want these powers. And then they end up growing into it because you don't pay them. A lot of these people have to be right. I don't want to do this, but how else am I going to feed my family? Right. It's like, I mean, for for decades, right, the military has been like, we'll give you co- money to cut co- for college and get you up out. And, you know, as long as we're not involved in a war, that's a pretty good deal. But absolutely, if you are our age or, or younger, then guess what? We've been at war for how, you know, mm-hmm. the forever war. Right. So like in that case, yep. we were like, thank you for your service. And it's just like, I mean, I did what I had to do. I didn't get paid really well. Yeah, at all. I didn't. Yeah, I did. I supported <laughs> I supported. We sent supplies out there, but yeah. I know people who like had to go boots on the ground and really had to put in work. So I know where it's it's on a scale, but like those are people. And even then, I've got friends who, like you said, they joined thinking like I just need to get out. Got to get out where I'm at, right? If you're, where, I mean, so my dad. I mean, my dad did that. You know, my dad was like, you know, my my dad grew up in a pretty low working class and basically poor like you know he mm-hmm. was on food stamps a lot when growing up like his yep. mom his, he had a single mom who had f- like four kids you know what i mean yep. so like not a lot of money so yeah he joined the military and you know yep. it was a way out you know right That's college is not an option your mom can't afford it or her his right. mom can't afford it so what do i do job see the, probably world. the job area yeah see the world you know what all right cool whatever i gotta do and then Two years later or a year later, boom, war. Yeah. And they ship you out. And you're like, I was only preparing to do four years and, and get out. And now I'm in a war zone. Right. Fighting for my life, essentially. Crazy. I digress. We're all over the place today. All right. We are. Next. So what DMX. Uh, how's it going? No, we're not going to go from <laughs> military heroes <laughs> and paying essential workers to how's it going down. Um, where can we go? Okay, I'm going to go slightly left. Okay. This is a collaboration I don't think is on your list, mm-hmm. but I okay. think it was important to tell the DMX story. It's, a, it's an important part of the DMX story okay. because it's the story that makes me the most mad. Oh, I know the story. And yes, it's on my list. Okay. I think. Well, because there's two records. Yeah, and I have, it as, I have them as an or. I wanted to have the conversation with you. Okay. So the two records that we're talking about, yeah. it's murder. Mm-hmm. Murder Graham. That's right. The group, DMX, Jay-Z, Ja Rule. Yeah. 1999, eight or nine. Murder Graham is Streets is Watching. So that's right. uh, spring 98. Okay. Into summer 98, right? And then It's Murder is early it's 99, early 99, yeah. So my, so for people who don't know, that is like, the mega group of all mega groups. Mm. When we first heard that that was being announced, if you were a fan of Def Jam Records, first of all, were you a fan of Def Jam Records, your brain exploded, number one. Number two, in listening to all these songs, did you take account for how often these rappers were shouting out Def Jam in their songs? I did not, but they did it a lot. Def Jam, Rough Riders, Rockefeller. Smurda, like I'm like, yo, this is a major label, and all all the employees seem to be very happy. <laughs> there was a lot of money floating around. There was a lot of money flowing around. Um, I picked it's murder, and here's why. Mm, okay, spring of '98, J, Ja, and X are not who they are in '99. I think in '99 they're all like different levels they're all they're all at high at a higher level Mm. so the anticipation for the album is better also i think that they are three i think that the three verses that they give Mm. are better on its murder than it's murdergram but i think murdergram is the better beat the murdergram beat is crazy that that beat is nuts and i've been trying to find that beat forever i think jay and jay on murdergram is listen to jay on this murder I was like, what? J- Kennedy style with your memory yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I, J-90, oh. J-98 is a cheat code. Oh, I, gotta, I have a hot take on it. I don't know if this song is on your list. And okay. I, I'm sure it's on your honorable mentions. I don't know if it's on your 15, but I got a hot take. Okay. 
I'm have to double back on on a a, a long a long stated clock radio speaker's opinion, and I'm gonna I'm gonna double back. I think I but Jay oh, yeah. Jay destroys its murder. I don't remember that verse being that good. It's murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He destroys it. All of them do. I mean, creeping around corners, tell Shorty. You see them niggas creeping around Warners. Like, yeah. they're off. And Ja doesn't come off as much as the little brother here as he does on Murder Gram. So that's why I went with this murder. There's yeah, like, that's they're fair. just, I think they're, all, I think they're all stronger, but the Murder Gram beat is better. That's fair. That's fair. So the rumor is, I didn't listen, but Irv Gotti blames Jay-Z for why Murder, Murder Inc. never uh, of course comes he does. to fruition. <laughs> he, he puts DMX on and he puts Ja Rule on, but he, he has nothing to do with putting Jay-Z on. Mm. Guessing he's a smidge biased? Mm. Maybe? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm assuming part of the problem came down to money. But also, who's running the show? What's the album sound like, right? But Jay, it's because in 98, 99, Jay still doesn't have a sound. He's still running with the Biggie formula. He is. He is. But like, I'm guessing they probably would have wanted it to sound like, I mean, there is kind of a, it's, it becomes the, it's basically the Earth Gotties. It's like the, it mm-hmm. becomes the Murder Inc. sound, you know, but like, there's a sound of, I mean, I don't know. I'm. It would have probably, well, that's it. You know what? I think part of the problem is like the three of them work really well on records like Murdergram and it's murder. Mm-hmm. If you look at their singles, all mm-hmm. three of them together on a single, you'd have to get the right kind of beats. You know, like I can't really imagine Ja Rule on like a Swiss record from like late 98 or 99. Really? I don't I know. Could. I can't imagine DMX on like a 99 Timbaland beat. That would be interesting. That would have been interesting. It would have interesting. been interesting. But like yeah. the Venn diagram of those three isn't as big as you might think it is. Like it's For fine sure. on the dark grimy records. That's definitely at the center. Yeah. But then it gets a little weird. Yeah. I think, t- I think Timbaland would have been, I think Timbaland was talented enough to try and fit that. Oh, for sure. And, and I think the other thing, when you said the murdering sound, I, I realized you saying that in the moment that we really downplay the murder ink sound producing lots and lots of great street sounding records. Yeah. Because when you go to, when you think murder ink sound, you think of the, the evolution of shiny suits. Right. So you think of very glossy living it up. You think down for you. Yeah. Right. But those Ja Rule albums and those murder ink album, the murderers album, like, yeah had some really, really great, gritty, grimy production. Um, and probably, and, and I think that makes the difference, and I think that, that validates your point, because I think all of their camps realize that if you're going to put a super group album together like that, it can't just be a grimy hippity-hop album. No. So you're going to have to produce some big singles. What do those singles sound like? It's, it's a harder question than you think. And th- does it yeah. become almost like what you want to avoid is what you, you know, you want to avoid what happens in the NBA when there's a trade and you put two stars together for the first time and, and the offense kind of goes your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Like, yeah, you, maybe you want to avoid that. So you got to find kind of something that that works. It, I'm not saying they couldn't have done it. I think also just the budget for this in order for all three to feel like they're like, basically I think the album has to probably sell what like triple platinum just to make it worthwhile. Yeah. I, ironically nowadays, this be a lot easier. It'd be a, it'd be an EP. They just put it out for the heck of it and nobody would care. It, like you could just do it, but you just needed such a bigger lift. There's a reason why. I mean, also they were probably all looking at what happened with the firm. And they were like, okay, mm. what do we not want to do with the firm? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the firm album, we've talked about a million times in the show. Rapper wise, they all kind of fit on whatever. Yeah. But production wise, the whole album is your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. So that also maybe had them feeling a little gun shy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. And Dang. also considering how 
antagonistic Jay-Z was with Def Jam about contracts and money and everything. Like, I have no doubt that, like, you know, because Irv Gotti wasn't just Ja Rule's guy. He was, like, an employee of Def Jam. So I'm assuming that Jay and Dame were like, oh, no. First of all, they're like, we're going to get a certain amount of money and it's Mm going to sound like they're calling their shot. Why? Like, what, you know, I don't know. It also becomes just an interesting problem of, like, are they really all three equal at that point? Right. Arguably by like 2000, they're all roughly maybe on similar levels of stardom, but like 98 yeah. and the 99, not quite. Right. Right. Dang. Excellent points. I've been saving up points. You know, it's been a long time since we recorded. So clearly. <laughs> all right. I, uh, could just see, I could just see you like you and Marissa watching TV and then you have like this very small notepad. You're like, ha, ah, you Write it down real quick and then put it back in, put it back in your pocket. It helps that it's, it's nice weather. So like back to running season. So I just, you know, think, you know, for sure. A lot of, a lot of thoughts. All right. Um, yeah. We still got a lot of records to go. Um, yes, we do. Let's see. Where do I want to go next? Let's switch it up. Cause we've, we've been in the, we've been in the, the early DMX bag. Let's switch it up a little bit. Okay. Let's have the funny conversation. I think what these women want is an is on is a definitive fifteen record. It one million percent is. It's also ridiculous and hilarious. Like you've never heard so much passion and confusion about why women he slept with and cheated on his wife with might possibly want something more. They're all like really <laughs> mad that these women might want more. Yeah, they might. <laughs> And then he just right. names names. It's unbelievable. And people are like, yeah, like, you know, women were excited. I remember the time, like, oh, he said my name in the song. Like, to just the way he, the way he was talking about, like, the mitigated gall and the audacity for these women. How dare you? Come on, Ma. You know I got a wife. What were you doing in the first place? (laughs) And even though I'm not going to jeopardize my life, you've already jeopardized your life. (laughs) And the funnier part is for the last like two to four bars of each verse, when Cisco comes in and starts harmonizing. (laughs) They try to make it sound more epic. Yeah, they build like they build up. Yeah, they build up the beat and then Cisco comes in. It's. That song is, I couldn't believe, because when you, that's another record that they added stuff on to. There's a, there's a video version that's slightly different. There's more yeah. Cisco vocals. Yeah, yeah, Cisco, yeah. a little more to play with. I realized, was there a little bit of like a Drew Hill stimulus package that was going on around that time? Interesting. So this is- produced- Nokia was making beats. Yeah. Yeah. And he tries, he tries to- <laughs> He's like talking, he's like whispering on the, or like low mm-hmm. vo- vocals on the, on but the he was, but he was doing that back then. Yeah. 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 He was doing it. He does, uh, he does what you want, what you want for Eve. He does a Foxy record. Nana be like, he does y'all don't want it for Capone Noriega. Oh, he does do y'all don't want it for CNN. Which yes, is kind does. of a similar record. Mm-hmm. This is also like, when you hear the, when you hear the melody to this, it was also like, and Def Jam was really big on this for sure, but like New York rap in general was having like a, a very fetishized fascination with uh, Asian music or Asian influences. So like, yeah, you hear the opening like melody to this, and it's just like, what is going on here? What? Uh, I mean, I remember videos wasn't. I mean, because it, it was rush hour, but weren't yeah. Drew Hill? weren't they dancing in kimonos or something oh, yeah. like that? I in feel the like Drew Hill's whole video? aesthetic. Was really leaning heavy into that. I mean, enter the dragon. Like they were, they were kind of, you know, the dragon, the dragon. They were dancing in pajamas and all. Yeah, they. It was, that was a. That was a. That was a time. There were women. I remember the style for black women around that time, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. They would have the bangs and they would have the ponytail and they would put the two chopsticks in the back. I remember that. That was a thing. Yeah. So anyway, what these women want is it's iconic. It's definitely like him. I mean, so this that's from the third album, right? And then there was X. Mm-hmm. And then there was X. Absolutely. Which is, is that quietly? That's I think that's his, it's his, that's, it's his biggest it, selling album. It is because that has party up on it, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I didn't I don't really think of that as his most successful album, but it really is because like because it's not good, <laughs> but it's got strong singles. It's got really incredibly popular singles. Yeah, man, that, yeah, that are... also did six ninety eight first week. I mean, also oh, that's him. It was released the the week of Christmas. Def Jam knew what go. they were doing. You put that DMX album in the week of Christmas and you get all the gifts. You also get kids with money. Yep. Peak stock and stuffers. For and sure. again, this is DMX. DMX drops two albums in 98. So his follow-up album is like highly anticipated. Yeah. You know, what, like What's My Name, people kind of liked, but it was, it was like X could do no wrong at that time. It didn't matter. I like What's we My just, Name a lot. It's cool. Mm. I, and like it was good. It was good. At the, it was okay at the time. I'm it considering cool. it for my 15. You don't think it's in the 15? It's definitely not my 15. Definitely not. We hope you enjoyed Side A of this week's episode. Please check out Side B at clockradiospeakers.com.